Welcome to the Joy of Aquatics. It is so great to have you back. Uh, Today's episode, so much fun. We are going to be speaking with a lady called Chris DeLitt. Now, Chris is a bit of a legend in the um, Australian aquatic learn to swim injury. Injury. It's an industry, Joy. Come on. In this industry. Um, But Look, I really wanted to talk to Chris about aligning program expectations between teachers and the program writers. Now, we touched on this last time when we spoke with Sarah Morris from Maura. Um, Sarah's not been in the industry anywhere near as long as Chris, purely because Sarah's still a young lady. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to gain a few people's um, opinions onto what goes into a program and how teachers and the owners and and the people that actually write the programs can find aligning expectations. And I'm a big believer in aligning expectations because that means that we've all got, um, I guess, a common language and a common value in what we're doing. So um, I believe there is a lot that goes into actually writing a program. you know, you've got to be able to take into consideration the kids' developments, the kids' physical and mental um, and emotional development levels, um, the skills, obviously, that we want to teach. We want to know exactly what it should look like when they come out of our program and how to scaffold all of those smaller skills into play. Values, for me, are a big part of our program. And I know we spoke heavily last episode with Sarah about making sure you've got really good values when you start developing your program. So I'm going to be really interested to hear what Chris has to say when I give her a call. So I'm going to call her right now. Let me turn on her recording line. And here we go. Is it ringing? Yeah, there we go. Hello, hello. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Good morning, Joy. I'm very well. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Chris, you have just won a very prestigious award. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I have, and it's very, it was a very um, unexpected and a, a very big surprise. It's called the Meritorious Service to the Teaching of Swimming. I've always at every year's conference, and I've been to probably the last, I think, 35 conferences that we've ever had, I always used to think in the back of my mind when I was younger, gee, you've got to be very old or nearly dead to get one of those awards. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when they rang and they told me that I was about to receive this, um, you know, I, I know there's been so many prestigious people. They said it's the top award that they give in um, in the Australian Swim Teachers and Coaches Association. And I know that the people that have come before me, a lot of my, my idols and my mentors, you know, like John Coots, Pat Taylor, Paul Sadler, you know, Ross Gage. Um, there's so many, so many people that I've actually looked up to over the last 40 years of me teaching uh, swimming. And yeah, I was really, and it, it, to just, I think it was my peers, the fact that my peers were recognising the fact that, um, you know, I've had a lot of contribution over those 40 years of teaching. It, it just made me feel really, really happy. Well, well congratulations. It is such an honour to be speaking with you. So, yeah, well done. So 40 well, years an, of it's teaching. A, it's, it's an, Joy, it's an honour for me to be 
actually been interviewed by you because I've um, been listening. I actually downloaded podcasts when I first heard that you were going to be doing them. So there you go. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you. Thank you. I'm, I'm feeling very blessed right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Chris, you've been teaching for 40 years. You've been running swim schools for how long? Uh, 40 years. I 40 opened years, my first yep. swim school yeah, back in about 1980 when I had my first child. So, uh, yeah, that was after, you know, being a, a swimmer uh, for the 10 years before that. And, uh, yeah, it's just a, a way of, of me. I, I always loved the swimming and there is a story as to how I got into it. But anyway, that's probably for another day. <laughs> it is. I'm actually thinking of doing another series all about water stories. What's your water story? Um, so I will keep you yeah. in mind for that one. Um, but this episode is all about, and, and I know we've we've spoken um, quickly before. I haven't just, you know, guys, yeah. I haven't just called up Chris and gone, hey, Chris. We have had a bit of a conversation <laughs> and planned this. So um, yeah. just a reminder that this is all, is all about sort of aligning expectations between teachers and the people that write the programs. Um, yep. So when you put your program together, how did you do it? Well, I've got to say that, um, you know, back in 1980, obviously I'd had the background of, of what's the end result, uh, having been coached by the world's best technician, Bill Sweetnam. So I knew what the end result was, and I actually uh, was had had watched a lot of other people, like the great Terry Gulliver, who was on videos in the 1970s with kids riding bikes underwater and everything. And to be honest, um, I put my program together because it was so hot in North Queensland when when my kids were born that I used to go down into the pool for about three or four hours every day with them from the nice. day they were born, and I actually watched how they taught themselves to swim. And I mean, literally, like Mark, who's a partner in Little Snappers with me, who's 38 now, at 13 months, he could literally throw himself in the water, swim, pop up for a breath at the front and keep swimming. It was just amazing. And, and the, so that's when I started applying what a child would naturally do if they were put in the water to my program. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so but one of the big things too is that uh, I guess in the, in the mid-'80s, what happened was there was a guy called Lloyd Rhodes who was commissioned by the Australian Institute of Sport to write a book called Successful Strokes. And I've got to tell you that that was a fantastic um, resource back then that Lloyd wrote. And you can actually get that book you know, now if you want to. And it's, it's got some fantastic stuff. And, and he's the one that I guess, um, you know, he put something together to show people that you, that you taught something by skill building. So, you yeah. know, you don't teach strokes until a child actually has good movement in the water and understands about balance and buoyancy and all of that stuff. And then you can start teaching how to do strokes. Well, you you know, for example, in freestyle, you know, it's good body position and kick. Then you introduce a good pattern of arms and you don't teach slide breathing until you've got those things right. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to get issues. So that's skill building. So, um, you know, I educated myself a little bit on the developmental stuff, um, as well and and uh you know just you you sort of from experiencing because you got to remember back in those days i was t uh, very young uh, yeah. in my my 20s early 20s i had my children and i was capable of teaching for 14 hours a day in the water 750 kids a week six days a week so every single thing that you could think that you would get with a child i experienced and um and then based on that we, i worked out different things that i could apply to my program 
to make it a very lovely experience for the children. And, uh, yeah, so that's how, how – and it, it's still morphing. I mean, the other day I changed, uh, you know, a, a, an activity from our Level 5 and put it back into Level 4 for freestyle because I just found that it was better to be able to get the kids to perform side breathing with correct body position before they went to our Level 5 and learned, you know, something else. So you're yeah. always – modifying and checking and children teach you so much so look what children are doing and and question yourself all the time as how can I do this better and what's better for the child yeah yeah okay interesting do you have a philosophy behind your program is that do you have that underlying philosophy or values that that have to be there Oh, 100%. I think that's what's always been different because you've got to remember 40 years ago there was a lot of that forced backsliding and you'll talk to some of the older teachers now who say, oh, yeah, I had a spoon bucket on the side of the pool and, you know, we uh, forced these kids on their back. And, yeah. you know, you talk to a lot of them who, who, thank God, have, you know, changed with the times. But I never saw how that was necessary. And I guess a lot of people didn't have the privilege of actually watching how kids teach themselves to swim. But, look, the philosophies that we have is, uh, and I guess I could read it straight from our website, is ensuring that swimming is a positive experience for po- by providing a safe child-centred environment and yeah. a program that caters to the individual needs of the child and the parent. We're not just teaching swimming, but we teach trust, interaction, respect, fun, risk-taking, socialisation, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. And that the means, the means don't justify the end in some cases and their children have rights, as Julie Zancanaro, who's, you know, a fantastic, mm-hmm. you know, advocate for the rights of a child in an aquatic environment, you yeah. know, that they need to be respected and loved. So um, I guess, yes, we take parents into consideration from the point of view that, as well, that, uh, you know, we want them to understand the benefits of the gentle individual child-based program over the disciplinarian-based force-type program. Yeah. And that I've never seen a child respond really well to force or, you know, they're going to do something, but it's under fear and intimidation. Well, no, you want them to actually want to do it. <laughs> yeah. So, hmm, that's yeah. a little bit about our philosophies anyway. Love, laugh, swim. <laughs> Love, laugh, swim. Love it. That's our, Yep. <laughs> That's great. That is really good. Yeah, we did interview Julie. I think it's the second episode I ever released. Um, If anyone wants to go back and listen to what Julie's got to say about um, children having rights and forced back floats and all of that type of stuff. So I think, you know, she's very, very passionate. And I love, um, actually love the way Julie teaches back floating. I was privileged to see some of that um, in I think it was the yep. last conference I went to see where she had some of her photos up, which was beautiful. Awesome. Yeah, look, one of the good things, and people should go to Julia, I mean, she wrote a paper many, many years ago, 1997, I think, was for the World Conference. And, um, you know, there's a lot of really, really good stuff in there. So one of the things that, that you know, getting people like Julie, who's an occupational therapist, when we taught, say, 40, 30 years ago, there would be things you'd observe in children and you tried different ways, but you didn't know the, um, you know, the, the why. So, for example, a child that really wanted to jump in off the side, but they were didn't want to, they were a bit scared. You know, well, we'd go, okay, what can we do to get this child to happily do this? Yeah. And then later on, Julie would come in and she would say, well, there's a thing called gravity-bound postures where children actually, if they're grounded to the earth, they're fine, but as soon as they're not grounded, you know, their vestibular system makes them feel like they're falling. 
So it, it sort of justified all of the things we'd learnt by trial and error, as in, well, how can we do this? So Julie's come along and give the, given the science behind it, which has been amazing for me. Yeah. Yeah, if anyone's ever got the opportunity to listen to Julie speak, definitely go out there and do that. But let's get back mm. to you, Chris. What else yep. do you put into your programming? Is there anything else that have, has really helped you develop a program? Um, well, I, I, I guess one of the big things is, is creating an environment for the kids that isn't just about going in and doing the same thing time after time. Like, we know that there's skill building. But I want a child to jump out of their car, run in and fall over and still want to get into the pool and they want to keep swimming. Even though you want them to go off to swimming club or something, they still want to come to your program. So I think that, um, you know, having in mind what the end result is, knowing that at some stage you're going to get children that in, in your program that whilst it's not the focus of, you know, we want all our kids to be great swimmers and Olympians, etc., that you are going to have children that are going to come along and you're going to have a very big influence on those children in those early stages. So I like to have a lot of um, child-led type stuff in the program, yeah. uh, you know, have the basis of it but also just being intuitive on from a day-to-day basis of what the child's feeling, you know, what, what's the weather like, <laughs> you know, yeah. what's um, happening at home with mum and dad. So you have that basis. So bringing into that program, knowing that you have a set set of skills, yeah. you have a set set lesson plan that you that you want, that you know will actually achieve that. But, you know, just, just keep in mind that, you know, children you make such a difference to the children's lives as to whether they're going to continue swimming as well so yeah just i think bringing into the those philosophies again into your program they are a whole little person with their own lives outside of what's happening in your class aren't they oh definitely yeah 100 <laughs> percent. and it's about how we make them feel you know you can always remember your own school teachers how they made you feel you talk yeah. to people now and they, re- they remember the old mum that used to whack you over the arms you know with all the knuckles and <laughs> but you know and, and and one of the things that i like to know and i've seen it over 40 years with you know in my town that i taught there was a very disciplinarian type um teacher as opposed to the way that i taught yeah you remember i was i was different in my day i mean i breastfed two kids uh, tan and fed till they were three years of age so back in those days like what are you doing yeah. so I've always been a little bit different but you know the kids now talk to my son you know 35 40 years later and say you know what with I don't remember much about your mum but I remember how much I loved my swimming lessons and because of that I traveled the world diving and swimming and surfing yeah. and you know that, that that gives me great pleasure to think that if kids have that um you know when they're in your learn to swim program and you, they also have an opportunity when you do get the kids like, you know, we've had Marika Gura and Daniel Smith and we've had a lot of swimmers who have gone on to world records or Olympians come through our Learn to Swim program. Yeah. I like to think that getting them to have fun and, and want to continue on has been the secret. So, yeah, yeah. that's pretty well. Yeah, and teaching, come from. teaching and enforcing, well, not, not really enforcing, that sounds a bit forceful, but just... Um, underlying the value that swimming is a life skill and there's so much more to aquatics than just competitive swimming there's synchronized swimming yes. underwater hockey underwater yep. rugby um yep. surfing wind skiing like wind skiing <laughs> wind <Yep>. surfing <laughs> skiing all of those yep. amazing things and that was one of the things that we did in the top levels of our program 
was yeah. when we would start to actually teach some of the rules of those sports and the kids yeah. would absolutely love it we'd give them some water polo skills and some synchro skills yeah. and some i mean you're building synchronized swimming skills the whole time you're building skills yeah. for all of that the whole time really but yeah. once they got to really diversify in that top level the kids were always so excited some of the parents were like eh my kids don't need that but the kids always yeah. wanted to come and be in that level which was great yeah. so Go for that, it. I agree totally. Agree totally with you, Joy. It's it's very important. One of the other things that um that that I feel that is very much lacking in a lot of programs is the training of the teachers to understand that you know what you do with the children, even from the age of three, four, five. You know things like um oh don't stop you know a little bit away from the edge. You finish at the edge. Yes, you don't finish at the wall. Jump off and touch yeah, the wall. Don't, don't, don't jump off with your board and your head up. It's face in, head down, kick, kick, kick. You know, making sure that every little skill they've done, how is the hand exiting the water after they've gone past their leg? Are they turning, dropping their elbow and turning their hand over? Is the teacher, you know, paying attention? You know, it doesn't have to be, I told you to do this or do that. It's like, oh, let's do it again. You know, it's in a fun way of reminding children because they forget, they forget lesson to lesson too. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, or they yeah, forget we, 10 seconds later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we've talked a little bit about skills and programs. What skills yeah. do you have in your programs in terms of water safety, learn to swim? What What's important and what's the basis of your programming? The basis is kids actually being able to get balanced in water first and being able to, um, you know, know what their body does in water. So, you know, swimming is all about balance, feel, all that sort of stuff, yeah. um, breath control. So I think that, um, you know, one of the things that you can have, you know, you have skills that the kids should be able to do if they're in the water or skills that they might be aiming for. Yeah. But one of the things that, that I understand about it is if you're talking about, say, the under threes, for example, that we're told what the milestones are with children. Mm-hmm. But what people do is, I don't think they realise just how capable children actually can be. An example, you know, um, and I know this is this is an example of my grandson, and I'll give it an example of other kids. But you know, he, at nine months of age, he could climb a seven-step ladder, you know, a step ladder on his own. Yeah. Uh, or Mark, at thirteen months, being able to toddle up to the edge of the pool, throw himself in, and start swimming for as long as he likes, you know. Yeah. But then a little girl who. You know, keeping in mind, a little girl I had at 15 months of age commercially only come to lessons twice a week. She could do that too. She could swim, pop up for a breath. Took it till she was seven to be able to perform side breathing and freestyle because she didn't have very good coordination. Yeah. So, um, you know, when we have skills, always remember there's always going to be kids who are going to be able to do things way better and those that are going to not quite be there. So yeah. I think that having certain skills, the basics of, you know, how, how do they enter, you know, holding their breath, can they blow, you know, the breath control stuff, the, the the getting the safety stuff of being able to manipulate their body to be able to, you know, turn over and it's back, it's front, go under the water, all of those. And, and just with all of the skills of, we all know, you know, good body position, a good kick, a good pattern of arms, you know, good, mm-hmm. good, all of those stuff. So I think with um, having a lesson, having, having say, those uh, skills, and then providing a lesson plan that is a fun thing to yeah. achieve those those goals is is the way to actually um, to do it. 
Yeah, fun. Fun is key, isn't yeah. it? I have to admit, yeah. my lessons could have done with a little bit more fun. Yeah. When I look back, I'm like, oh, come on, Joy, you can do better. But but my funnest lessons were always based around a story, always. Yep. So kids love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, All right. Well, what is it that makes your program unique to everyone else's? I'd have to say it's a combination of a few things, and obviously the philosophies. And everyone's going to say, oh, we've got those same philosophies of you know that we're great to kids. But very often, you know, I go to some schools that that say that. And I'm not seeing what they're saying a lot of times, and a lot of times that could be because of the individual teacher executing things. Like they might have a say one thing, but it's not actually what you're seeing. So I think with us, the philosophy, but one of the things is my daughter-in-law from America, she comes from a very big uh, background of customer service. So one of the big things that we talk about is is that the customer is always right even when they're wrong yeah. and we need to uh, have a gentle way to work through their issues and treating them with respect to resolve it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the goodwill's got a lot of value, you know, like if you don't think that someone sh- deserves to get a refund, then you know what, give it to them anyway and just say that, you know, it's not something that we do, it's against our policies, however, we, we, we recognise that, you know, that this is worth it to you. and. You know, taking into consideration uh, parents as well, like streamlining their bookings, understanding they have a life and they have a family, make it easy for them. Yeah. The kids are not just a number, that they that we understand it's their life and we do everything we can for them. But I think the philosophies, our knowledge of development from birth to elite, it's, you know, a lot of people have come from a Olympic background and others have come from, oh yeah, I taught my kids to swim but don't know the results. So I think... The experience of having a knowledge of all levels of, of swimming yeah. has really helped with our programming and everything. And the purpose-built pools, um, you know, the child-centred program. And a big one that I think too is applying coaching principles as opposed to training principles as the kids get um, older and to, yeah. to let people understand what that means. Anyone can be a trainer, even some of the top coaches that might have great swimmers they're trainers because anyone can go onto the internet now and get you know lots of stuff off the internet how to train people but a coach is a different thing a coach is a person who understands an individual psychology and is able to get the best out of them by using that as well as training so um you know and just the small classes and the belief that education of parents is very important I, i always explain to a parent why are we singing a song well it's a six beat song and we teach a six beat kick here and hands underneath, thumbs on the cars, and we're actually doing a little bit of, you know, skill learning here so the kids actually can can uh, do a, stra- a little bit straighter leg kick, you know? Yeah. So it's all about education. So I think that's pretty well what I think makes us a little bit different from the, the normal run of the, uh, the Milton School. Well, that sounds fantastic. I would love to see your program in action. So Yeah, anytime. <laughs> where are your pools? Well, um, we've got our latest tour that we opened only 18 months ago at a place called Yarra Bilba, which is a big land lease development that's going to end up with something like, you know, 65,000 people in it. At the moment, it's only got 8,000 population. It's yeah. in Logan, Brisbane, out in the west of Beanley, Jimboomba area. Yep. Well, I grew um, up in Logan, Brisbane. So when I'm down oh. there, now that travel restrictions yeah. have been eased, sure. when I'm at home, I'm going to come and see you. Sure. And then we've got the other two in Townsville, which are run by um, 
we actually have those as a, a franchise, those two, and uh, they've been with people who have worked in, in the industry for 25 years wow. and have worked for us before at Otherston schools as managers and, and have lots of experience. So we've given them the opportunity to also run their own swim school. So there's one called Little Snappers Northside in Townsville, mm-hmm. another one called Little Snappers Riverway, which is at Rasmussen. And then we did have Little Snappers in Cairns, um, and uh, we, we don't own that one anymore. We did sell that. And my other son, Peter, owns a swim school in Cairns called Swim Skills. So it's okay. um, based on the same type of stuff as us. And uh, But, you know, before the COVID-19 came, we we had plans of actually getting another five going up and around the um, the Brisbane, you know, southeast Queensland area. But, you know, things happen. <laughs> you just reassess and, yeah. and move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. COVID's affected a lot of people, hasn't it? So yeah it has. Yeah. It has. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. Now, for anyone that's listening, for well, for everyone that's listening, really. Um I am going to be speaking with Chris and her sons tomorrow. Um and we will get that episode up probably a week behind when this one's released. So, um that way we can find out about what goes on at one Uh, facility as opposed to another facility so in the next episode you're going to hear Chris again and um, we're gonna and we're gonna meet her sons which is which is cool so I'm I'm actually really excited to to find out how your programming is across multiple facilities yeah yeah that'll be a really good one to listen to because you're going to get a different perspective from two different the two sons who have been brought up around swim schools yeah. that have the same philosophies, however, different ways of execution. So, uh, yeah, yeah. interesting for people. Yes, excellent. All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time today. And um... It's been my pleasure, Joy. Thank <laughs> yeah. you very much for having me. <laughs> well, you're welcome. I was, I, I was trying to finish that sentence and I'm like, I actually don't have anything else to say. That's it. So so thank you. I do really, really appreciate it. No problem. I look forward to speaking uh, next time. Well, there we have it, guys. That was Chris Dellett. I had a very quick, short conversation with Chris just after uh, she picked up the phone. Um, and I double-checked how to say her last name. And it's actually Dellett. I know in across the industry, we all have all been saying delit, but uh, there's there's a lesson for us. We need to double check those things. It's actually delit. Um, Chris, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for joining me. And I know I will be speaking with you tomorrow. So the conversation that I'm going to be having with Chris and her boys tomorrow is more about um, how do you manage programs across multiple facilities And as a teacher, if you have questions, what can you do? How do you go about potentially questioning someone's program? And how do you do that from a place of wanting to understand more instead of from a place of criticism? And how are are managers and the people that have written the program, how should they actually respond? So we are going to get into some nitty gritty questions tomorrow. So... Hopefully, um, Chris has given you some ideas on how to base a program. Um, if program writing is something that interests you as a teacher, and I always, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I said it last episode. I always ask a brand new teacher to sit down and write a program. How would you stack the skills 
from one to the next if from very beginning learn to swim into um, I've finished learning to swim I'm, I'm out of my learn to swim program so from entering to exiting I'm competent I'm capable um, I'm I have an idea I have knowledge skills and understanding of not just swimming but also water safety so how would you build them and what I think that finds is it builds a really well-rounded teacher. So if you've never thought about that as a teacher before, I highly recommend that you maybe sit down and plan something out, map something out. You may want to do it a little bit differently to where you're teaching right now. You may want to totally change it up completely. Start trying to wrap your head around why we teach in the order that we do um, and again, she mentioned that book by Lloyd Rose, um, Successful Stroke. So, and if you can still get it, go and get your hands on something like that and, and start researching these things because it can only make us better teachers, right? The more we do, the more we practice, the more we learn. Once we start putting that into all of our teaching, we become better teachers. And that's what this is all about. So guys, stay tuned for the next episode where we speak to Chris and her two boys about programming across multiple facilities and how we handle that. Um, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for, for listening. I truly appreciate it. So stay swimming or happy swimming if you can. I know pools are starting to open. So fingers crossed more of you are in the water now so happy swimming and if you're not back in the water yet happy creating 